Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. This segment of Eye on Veterans is brought to you by AMAC. All right, welcome to CBS Eye on Vets. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs and a reporter with ConnectingVets.com. Now this week, we're talking with former Army Intel officer and my colleague at ConnectingVets.com, Rod Rodriguez from Tampa, Florida. Rod recently went to the hurricane-ravaged area near Inglewood, Florida, where he documented the emotional stories of veterans for the Military Matters podcast, which is published by Stars and Stripes. The emotional audio that he captured will likely change the way we all look at our own lives. So I have to start by thanking and and really uh, spotlighting Ryan Hans, who is an Air Force veteran, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, brown belt, who on a weekly basis rolls me up into a tiny little ball. Um, the man <laughs> is, a, is a monster, but I, I didn't know him very well. We would roll. Uh, we go to the same jiu-jitsu uh, jiu- uh, jiu- gym, uh, Trinity Jiu-Jitsu here in uh, Trinity, Florida. Um, he comes up to me, he goes, hey, man, me and a buddy are going to go deliver some relief down to the folks in Sarasota. Um, I know you're an army guy, so you want to come? And just like that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Uh, it started off with just like, hey, I'm going to go help out. And then I started thinking about the fact that so many veterans. In fact, Florida, I believe, is the second or third, has the second or third largest veteran population. And because, again, this is where folks come to retire. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know, I'm going to bring my my microphone and I'm going to see if I can capture the story of some of these veterans and and maybe how they're going to rebuild. And I want to I emphasize here, this was never about capturing devastation. 
the story I thought I was going to go record was the story of perseverance. This is supposed to be kind of a positive story. Like, hey, I'm going to talk to these vets. And they're going to tell me like, oh, it's okay. We're going to rebuild and we're going to do this. Uh, I, what, what I got instead was heart-wrenching. Um, it, was some, it was an experience that uh, Ryan and I went into thinking one thing. And when we drove away, um, there was a good block of silence where we were just trying to digest what we, what we had just seen. And again, that's why I want to dive into the Military Matters episode where you document what you did see. When I listened to the audio you sent me, I loved how you jumped right to the, I, I mean, I loved how you jumped in immediately to the audio of what I think you'd said was maybe the first person you found was in fact a veteran. It was eerie to hear this woodworker, this former cabinet maker, this kind of lifelong craftsman describe what he was left with after his trailer had been or his home had been annihilated and his possessions scattered and he was just standing there share with me a little bit about that conversation and really the eerie thing that ended your time with him i i I want to convey to the audience that unless you've seen or driven through a natural disaster within i say 72 hours you really don't understand the level of devastation that is going to be that you're going to see. I, I think some of our veteran listeners will understand if you've driven through uh, places that have been bombed, uh, Iraqi villages, Iraqi cities, Afghan play, uh, Afghan spots, uh, anywhere in the world where a bomb has gone off. That's the level of devastation you're going to see, except it's here. It turns the paradigm of that's happening to those people over there it turns it on its head it's happening here this is happening an hour and a half south of where i live so while i'm enjoying my electric my electricity and my air conditioning and i'm having a a wawa sandwich there's a guy literally standing in wreckage trying to figure out what he's going to do tonight where he's going to live so we get to Sarasota on the way down there, on, on the way down to Inglewood. Uh, we can see the flood, uh, the flood lines. And we're, I mean, it was, it was insane. Wreckage, uh, palm trees, tree, uh, palm trees and bushes and uh, cars just stuck in mud. It was insane. And as you got closer and closer to Inglewood, it became more and more surreal. Like there was a point where I was like, where the hell am I? Like, where are we right now? This doesn't feel like this should be America. Like, In the United States, we have a problem, we throw money at it, and it gets fixed. This isn't money. Like, this is going to take thousands of of man hours to clean this, to figure this out. I was really skeptical about whether or not I was going to be able to find a veteran. And and despite the fact that this is a state with, like, the third highest population of veterans, uh, we're still not like you you can't exactly just throw a rock and find a vet. We're still like, you know, kind of mixed in with the crowd. I tell you, I feel like the story wanted to be told because literally the first guy we ran into was a veteran. And we pull into this community. It was like um, mobile homes. And I remember as we drove in, there was a guy standing in wreckage. And there's barely, there's a concrete slab, barely house left. What looks like, and, and all around it, just aluminum foam and 
I would say you would your mind would say junk, but you have to remember it's not junk. This is a person's life. This is what happens when I take your house and I crush it and then I shake it and then I let all of the stuff dump to the ground and I pour about a thousand gallons of water over it and then I let it bake in the sun for two days. That's what this guy was standing over and his little dog was barking in the car. And uh, I go to him and I said, hey, do you, you know, uh, would you happen to be a veteran? He goes, yeah, I am. I'm like, holy smokes. Well, that was easy. Um, tell me about what's going on. And as we get into this conversation, wow, I, I will tell you, it was just, uh, there was no, no perseverance. Um, this man was just wrecked. He was facing this this crazy unknown you got to remember folks that the people that retire aren't people that are super rich uh florida offers retirees great state benefits and all this good stuff but it's not crazy unaffordable especially when you get to these mobile home communities you know people they, they cash out their chips at the end of their years whatever they got saved up they go buy a, a mobile home this area is not exactly known for getting wrecked by hurricanes. So you feel safe. You feel secure in your investment to insure these homes is sometimes a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month for a retiree. They don't have that money, man. So a lot of them are like, I'm not going to insure it. It's only worth so much money. Besides, we're going to be okay. What are the chances? Well, this was it. And this guy is trying to figure out how to put it all back together. Now I was, had intended to move here to Florida permanently and 99% of my belongings were here and now you can see what's left. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do at this point. A uh, lot of turmoil in my life and it's just a real struggle. What was, kind of tell me, what was your first impression? What was the, what, what? It's like, where do I start? And, and, and what do I want to get? There's, there's, excuse me, this thing's in there that are important to me. So I, you know, I'll grab those things. And, how do you, I, how do you I, prioritize? I, I don't know. I don't know. I was so looking forward to being down here, and it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, you're, you're okay. All he's got is his little dog, this his, and that's his buddy. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. This is it. It's him and a little dog and this milk crate of whatever he can scrounge up, and he's, he's just hoping that some of the insurance that he has We'll cover this. But other than that, he said, I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. I, I have a degree in mental health counseling, and I'm supposed to be prepared for moments like this. But nothing, 
nothing could have prepared me. He was looking over the concrete slab that was his home, and uh, he he looks away. He's got like this thousand yard stare, and then he looks at me. No, I pulled some stuff out of the rubble here, and you know, I I had everything. I I was a carpenter, not a carpenter, but a cabinet maker, furniture maker. For 20 years, I built airplanes, and I had every tool that I needed to build it. It's all gone, for the most part. You know, a small table saw, hobby saw. You know, as well, you, you can see there's the remains of three airplanes over here. You know, they're, they're destroyed. There's one, two, three airplanes, and there's some in the house. I don't think there's any damage to the ones in the house, but I, you know... Do I have the time to deal with them? I, I just so they're 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 trash. No, I I found this house back in '19, and I love it because I'm a birder, and this lot corners on the lake, so I don't pay any taxes on the house based on the fact that I don't have water frontage, so it was an ideal situation for me. You know, some of the stuff I can salvage it, but as I said to Kevin, what the hell am I going to do with it? You know, how, where do I take it to store it? Or, you know, I, there's a, I got two kayaks here. I, it's like, what the hell am I going to do with them? I'd keep the small one, the big one I was trying to sell. But, um, no, it just, uh, I didn't need this on top of my problems up north. There are days I say to myself, you know, Alan, maybe it's time you say, check out. I wanted to console him. There was a, the the logical part of my brain said you should tell him no. Don't don't think like that. Don't you want to hug him? You want to you want to you want to protect this old man because you see a lot of yourself in him. You see a lot of pain. You want to make this better. But like my buddy Ryan said, we 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 talked about this later. What can you say? What can you say? What can, what what can I do to console you? I can't make any of this better. And I would dare anybody to be sitting in his shoes and not feel that way. And I think the silence you left in that edit was just so profound because it made you, it made me, it made any listener of this podcast just sort of marinate in that moment and go, "Wow, the gravity of what you've covered there, the gravity of this you know, of Alan's situation forces you to almost make a decision in your own mind right there. And then is like, how can I make a difference? How can I get to my phone or an internet signal or something and make a donation, make a difference? How can I, in your case, you guys were down there with supplies and goods. I mean, it had to just instantly spark that flame that says we need to give this to people. We need to go find another person that's hurting and another person and another person and another person because you felt his pain. And that's just something so uncommon to our self-interested American condition where we drive around most of the time between strip malls and suburbs and we don't feel anyone else's pain. We are immune to human suffering. And yet here you were face to face with it and you captured it so brilliantly. So um, again, thank you for that. Here's the thing you just said that kind of that, that it's interesting to me because we had so when we showed up, we had a truck full of goods. We had like 35 gallons of fuel, 
on a roof rack. Uh, up in the in the back of the truck, we had inflatable uh, uh, inflatable mattresses. We had food. We had water. We had supplies. This guy has nothing. And we told him, hey, Alan, I got a truck here full of supplies. What do you need? And he says, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't take that. I said, no, no, dude, like that. You're literally the guy that this is for. And he said, find someone else who really needs this. I mean, you're the guy that really need. What are you talking about? He refused to take anything because mm. he wanted it to go to somebody who really needed it. That is selfless service, selfless to the core. He was more worried about his neighbor. He actually pointed, he goes, go talk to those folks over there. They lost, they have kids, they have this, they have, they lost everything. I'm going to be, I'm going to make this work. I'll figure this out. And he found, that's where he found strength. I will tell you, that's where Alan found his strength was by pointing his finger and saying, go help those folks. And here's the thing. Everybody we talked to kept saying, save that for the guy who really needs that. To the point that Ryan and I were forcing people. We, we, like, we were like, it, how much uh, fuel do you have for your generator? Oh, we've only got, we've got uh, uh, five gallons, but uh, my husband will make the run later tonight. And I'm like, no, no, no. We have five gallons up here. Here's 10. Here's 10 gallons of fuel. Give me the empty ones. We're good. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That's what we're doing right now. And the joy, there was a, com- a sense of community. The, the, I, I will say the one thing <laughs> that's really stuck out about this whole, the process, uh, we were talking to this couple uh, that had written it out in their trailer. And the guy said, because we, <laughs> Ryan, they go, are you with some type, what, what organization are you guys with? And Ryan's pulling gasoline off the truck and he goes, no, none, no one. We're, uh, and he looks at me, he goes, we're just veterans. <laughs> we're just some vets handing out stuff, man. That's what we are. And that dude was so happy to see us. He was smiling and he was helping us. And he said, you know what? I'll tell you what, you, you, you veterans, uh, the National Guard came through here the day after it hit. And we saw a National Guard come out here and he's like, my wife and I were so scared. And he says, um, excuse me. He says, I saw you army boys out here. I never felt so safe. I never been so proud of being American. Because they were out here handing food and water. They had a tank and a, you know, and that symbolized, um, that symbolized strength, it symbolized what America was about. It symbolized uh, the fighting force that he believed in. And it was our National Guard. It was our police. It was our, our first responders. And you don't appreciate them until you need them. No, no Ian's going to scare me away. That's right. That's well, right. Took a lot from me, but... And can I tell you, since you guys are military... When they came down the street with their tank and they were passing out stuff, so proud to be an American, 
Yesterday morning we came out and there was a bald eagle flying over our neighborhood. And I was like, if that's not a symbol right there, you know, strong, you know. So the National Guard came through here. Oh yeah. Yeah, they passed yeah. out MREs and water and ice, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Rod, that part of the interview, again, another jaw drop moment because he's describing you know, the troop carriers coming down the road. And it is as palpable now recalling that moment as it was when you recorded the moment with the mic on, you know, on scene there. Um, Beautiful. And I I think that's one of the things we forget when we talk about the news cycle and the troops and the military and should the National Guard solve all the problems. And, you know, we get so caught up in the rhetoric and we forget that those human moments matter. Man, they matter. And that just underscores why anyone, if that's not the best ad for why you joined the National Guard, I don't know what is, because to another American, to your fellow American, that is God's work. That is doing what we are put here on earth to do. And that is care for each other, in my humble opinion. And nobody does it like the troops that dispatch with the National Guard. All right, this is CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Phil Briggs reporting for ConnectingVets.com. Now, Hurricane Ian is last month's news, but as my colleague Rod Rodriguez, an Army veteran and host of the Military Matters podcast for Stars and Stripes, recently documented, for many the struggle continues. Rod went down to an area near Inglewood, Florida, where he met veterans and other survivors to get their stories. The audio he gathered is emotional. And in one encounter, we heard about what it's like to ride out a massive hurricane in nothing more than a trailer. Though our curiosity about storms like this can seem morbid, my hope is that these stories inspire us all to help our neighbors. So they, this couple, in desperation, you know, got their, covered their dogs with mattresses, hunkered down, put on their motorcycle helmets. And uh, rode out the storm. It's one of those moments where somebody, they're, they're telling you the story in retrospect. But when you listen to their recounting, she, she talks about what was going through her mind. Because the only thing I thought about were my kids and my grandkids. That's the only thing that went through my mind was my babies and my grandbabies. And we rode it out. We were inside. When I tell you it was going like this, the house was lifting. Oh, yeah, it was lifting. We had our motorcycle, we had helmets, our motorcycle on helmets on. We had our muckers on. We had mattresses over us. We got five dogs. Everybody survived. We're alive, oh, we and ready. we have our we fur babies. And so you, so I want to understand this correctly. You two were in this trailer home yes. yep. with your motorcycle helmets on. Yes. Yes. Because that, that's the level of fear that, that and, and, like, this was bad. Oh, I've never been, I'm born and raised here in yeah, Florida. Here Sarasota is my hometown, and I have been through many, many, many storms. I have never been as terrified, is the only correct word I can, I was terrified. Terrified. I thought, I thought we were done. She asked me, are you scared? And I said, I'm not scared, I'm worried. I was worried about getting her and our dogs out if I had to do it, but I would have done it, you know, so it was nuts, it was nuts.
But I saw the look in his face. And that was the look of a person who was scared. That's he's the husband. I, I know maybe I'll get hit with like this. Oh, you're you're enforcing gender roles, Rod. But here's the thing. I'm a husband. And as a husband, I want to protect and care for my wife. This man was put up against a natural disaster, a Mother Earth versus you. And you cannot win. You cannot fight this. There is nothing you can do to make this better. You cannot keep your wife safe. You cannot keep your home safe. You cannot keep your dog safe. Everything is literally out of your hands. That's the true fear. It wasn't the storm that this man was afraid of. It was being unable to protect the people that he loved. And that is a hard pill for any man to swallow. That's a hard pill for any person to swallow. But they wrote it out and they, they survived, but you know, they're pointing at their neighbors and like, look at that. And one of these houses, I mean, it was a mobile home and I'm not even kidding. The middle was shredded out. The left and the right side were still intact. It looked like, it looked like a tornado went through it. (laughs) It looks exactly like, or a bomb went off in the middle. That's really, really what, and, and I'll tell you, that's the thing that got me. If you, I was in Iraq 03 and we would go through these cities and towns that we had just hit. This, there's a, there's a, a look of devastation, the smell of sewage overflowing. There's the smell of trash in the roads, the things that had just burned. It brought a lot of that back. I was just like, holy smokes, this is just like war. Every single way it is, is survival. And that is something I don't think most people will understand about the situation here in Florida. These folks are survivors. This has been like two, three weeks now, and they're still putting it together. Dude, last week, they opened the road to some of these islands. They built, we built bridges overnight. Like, let me tell you, the Army Corps of Engineers, God bless those dudes. They went out there. And they were like, Lone Bridge, give us 48 hours. Give me a day. Give me those guys, those hammers. We're going to build a bridge that you can pull trucks over. And they did it. There are aspects to all of this that Americans need to rejoice in. And that you have an Army Corps of Engineers that can build anything, anywhere, And it's going to get built. You want a house? You need a school built. You need a water treatment facility built. You need a bridge built. I'll dovetail into that. Um, The thing I've noticed about you and some of the other veteran groups I've talked to, you know, whether it's team Rubicon or like other ones, the likening it to war is such an accurate comparison, but I'll say this, what I think must be cathartic for my veteran brothers and sisters out there that have seen the impact of combat. What has to be cathartic is like only this time you're driving through a war zone. You are finally the heroes that, that was so often misunderstood in a conflict in a foreign country. Here you are in a devastated town, devastated village, destruction and death everywhere. And you are riding through the streets, the hero. That has to make you guys feel good because the last time you saw devastation like that, you were driving through a town where you still were unsure if you were ever going to be 
you know, if you were going to be the next person to get shot at and here you are just driving through a town where you're fully embraced and people are just so happy that you are a hope dealer. And that had to be kind of a cool feeling for any combat vet that volunteers. Not at all. I'm going to completely disagree with you. It doesn't trigger that sense of pride and happiness or it just takes you back to a place where you're scared again. Um, I didn't feel any pride. I didn't feel any joy. I would rather be hated. When I went through a village in Iraq, a lot of people were back in the early days. They loved us. They were, you're here to help. And it was good. When you have fear, you have a chance to disconnect from the reality. When you feel like you're about to get shot at, it's, re- it's a lot easier to turn off children who are hungry. It's easy to turn off old people asking for food because I don't know, you could be a bad guy. You mm-hmm. could, that child could have a grenade that, that, that old lady could have a AK 47. It's happened before. Um, when you're in a war zone, it's very easy to disconnect from what you're seeing. When you are just handing out whatever you can, there was never a sense of, of being a hero because I didn't fix anything. I was a Band-Aid. That's it. I was a crappy Band-Aid. You know, like I can't help you rebuild. In fact, there was moments where I felt guilty. I felt so guilty. And I know Ryan did too. We talked about this on the way home. Uh, what are we doing? How are we driving home? There are kids who don't have a roof over their head tonight. There are people who are old, who have nobody, nowhere to go. They're sleeping in their trucks tonight, and we're, we're going home? Like, we're going to stop at the gas station and have a burger? What? Mm. How, how are we doing that? How can I sit here and enjoy a hot cup of coffee and sleep in my bed? And this couple, we give them an air mattress, and they were so grateful. They were crying and holding us and thanking us for a air mattress and this is all happening an hour and a half away from my home that's it this isn't across the this isn't across the great pond it's an hour and an hour and a half away from my home now i did not feel like a hero at all um i felt guilty i felt sad i felt i felt like i wasn't doing enough i should be able to do more um in fact we're going back this friday um, no record, no, no. And, and I told Ryan, I was like, uh, let's, I'm not bringing any recording gear, no cameras, no nothing. This isn't about, uh, trying to get credit. And that's not what this episode was about. This episode was not about the good that me and Ryan were doing. This is about sharing the pain of your fellow Americans and trying to get folks to do something, anything. Even if you just donate to whatever, go give blood to the Red Cross, whatever. Even if it doesn't directly affect or help Floridians, I get it. You can't all, we can't all jump on the same thing to do it, but encouraging Americans to help Americans any way they can. If this episode can convince you to help your fellow man in any way, shape or form, then we did our job. And the last thing I will say about that is there is something innate. And every veteran, it is a call to help. 
Ryan recognized that when he said, hey, I know you're an army guy. You want to come help? He knew that as a fellow veteran, if I was called, if the opportunity came to serve my community, how could I say no? There's no way. Uh, no, nah, man, I've got plans this weekend. Uh, I can't go help these. People. No, 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 no. I-, I was like, yeah, let's do this thing. And I, you know, my, my wife, my family, there was no like, ah, oh, you're going to go down there. No, no, no. The minute I said, Hey, uh, him, my love, uh, I'm going to go down there and, uh, do some good. She was like, take whatever you need. We got, we still got supplies from the hurricane. I'm like, well, we, those are our supply. We should, we need to keep those for the next one. And she goes, yeah, but they need them now. hundred percent. hundred percent. So yeah, that, that, that's the point. That's the point we're trying to make. Um, and I, I hope that our fellow veterans listen to this. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to drop everything, go, go jump into hurricane relief. But I will tell you, everywhere we live, there is a potential for natural disasters, whether it's an avalanche, a hurricane, a tornado, whatever it is, blizzards, you can always trust the helpers. And those helpers are going to be vets. Mm. The one thing I'll thank you for in this conversation, Rod, is that, you know, you and I have talked about this a couple of different times. I was on the phone with you when you first got back and I remember the tears, remember you describing what it was like when you and Ryan had that moment where you just the emotional release where it just came out and, and, and you let it go inside the truck. We didn't dive into my theory that veterans who that have experienced combat must feel cathartic like this. And the fact that you highlighted how you can't how you can turn off an empathy button in a life or death situation in war, but here in a natural disaster where you're just helping people like you, that empathy button does not shut off. Um, that's huge. And I'm glad you shared that because in a way for a moment, I think what you're going to do, what we can hopefully do from this broadcast is press that empathy button for anyone listening, whether you're a veteran or not. That empathy button, man, now's the time to turn that on, keep it on and, and, and really turn it up to 11. Find an organization. I won't get into the details, but your buddy Ryan at one time had a web link with like an Amazon shopping list where he was just delivering goods down to the city center, the, the government center of Englewood, Florida or whatever town this was. And they were just, you know, having a parking lot full of supplies people could pick up. That's all well and good for the short term. But here we are one month, you know, four weeks later, and these supplies may dwindle. The supply needs may change from demolition to reconstruction. The needs and the items on the list may change significantly, but you can go find a way to make some of those resources happen. Uh, I'll say floridadisaster.org is a public-private partnership in Florida that is doing God's work down there. You can give to that if you're a faraway listener and you don't live near Florida and you can't go down there and help physically, give. You can look up through your church. You can Google relief efforts. But I think what I want to underscore and kind of hit the landing with is here is, as you just said, now is the time that was the time to keep it up and to find and discover what more can be done. And if you had to guess, uh, Rod, who might I look up in Southwest Florida, uh, just general relief organizations or things you're aware of as a resident of Tampa? Is there something we could share right here, right now for the listeners in a way they can make a difference? Visit the Florida, that, that organization just mentioned. FloridaDisaster.org. Go check them out. But my, my big thing is, you got to donate. You'll feel, you'll donate more. You will donate more 
if you feel comfortable with whoever you're donating to, whoever it is, you got to do a little bit of research, folks, because look, if I tell you who to go donate to and you don't like it, you're like, I don't feel, I don't know these guys very well. You're not going to do it. But if you find, if it's Red Cross, if it's a Red Crescent, if it's the Boy Scouts of America, if it's uh, a disaster relief, whatever it is, even if it's not Florida related, if this compels you to donate to your local 4-H club, cool. Help out your community. How about this community? Donate whatever you want to whoever you want. Put a little sweat equity into it. If that if this compels you to like, you know what? I'm going to go volunteer four hours at my local dog shelter. Good. You did something. I, I want to give a special shout out. Like I, 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 I've mentioned the, the first responders and our national guard, but I, I, I'm not a big, I'm not into pop. I don't like politics. It's all a dirty game, but I have to give a, a special recognition to leaders here in the state of Florida, governor DeSantis, the mayor of Tampa, the mayor of Englewood, the leadership in the areas that have been devastated. I don't care what your politics are left, right? Don't care. These folks declared a state of emergency days before the hurricane hit, which was so smart. It had, it meant available funds right away. That's why you're not hearing about thousands dead in Florida. That's why these people made decisions, hard decisions, decisions that could affect their, uh, their reelections could, could affect a lot. They made decisions that I honestly believe saved lives. Well, I love the decision that you made. Speaking of decisions, I love the decision that you and your buddy Ryan, who went down to the affected areas, um, the decision you made to hand things out just on your own because you've inspired with the story and with this podcast, again, the Military Matters a podcast from Stars and Stripes. Uh, with this episode about Hurricane Ian, you have inspired, I think, in all of us. And the way that you'd said it at the end, whether it's donating to a Florida-specific charity or whether it's just helping make the world a better place in your corner of it, you inspire that and the way you covered it so beautifully uh, with the stories. Thank you for the time for for spotlighting this uh, this podcast that we do here at Stripes. It means a lot to me, and uh, I hope everybody got something out of it. Thank you for having me on, bro. And the next time we chat too, I want to say as a as a tourist, and and now I want to say regular tourist of Southwestern Florida. You know, my favorite spot, Siesta Key, uh, just to the south of Tampa there. But uh, my next time I'm down there, I I, I swear we're we're gonna roll some audio because there's nothing better than. Toes on the beach in Siesta Key at Kurt's Tiki Village. Shout out to the Sneaky Tiki Bar. Uh, next time we chat, brother, I want it to be that way. Let's do with it. A cold drink in my hand. Let's do it. Awesome, brother. Rod, be well, my man. You too, brother. And, and this time next year, this was all going to be paid for. We were on the verge of everything was going to be paid off. It'll still get paid off. Man. It'll still get paid off, but, you know. You know, no no Ian's going to scare me away. That's right. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at Phil Briggs Vet. 
I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes. And I'd love to talk to you every week. So please, like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show. Because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C. And I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Eye on Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.